Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Hope you're having a great day. I really appreciate you joining us here on the Ricky Matthews Show as we continue to celebrate the people who are working so hard to make this a great place to live work and play. Hey, I came across a, uh, a quote the other day that um, that I found to be very, very true. And it's actually from Jim Henson. And for people who don't know this, the Muppets Jim Henson, uh, who died in 1990, in May of 1990. Uh, he was born in Greenville, Mississippi. And he, along the way, said this, and obviously he dedicated his life to it. But he said, laughter helps us helps you put everything into perspective. I can't agree with that more. I mean, we're going to have our serious moments along the way, but it is sure good to uh, get a laugh from time to time. And then another friend of mine, in fact, it's not a friend, my second cousin who lives in Alabama, April Evans, who I think the world of, she's a terrific mother and an entrepreneur. And she said this, if nothing else, I just want to use my voice. It's easy to feel like our hands are tied, but revolution happens when people refuse to shut up. <clears throat> I, I think that's also true, and that really fits to, to a lot of the people that I talk to here in, uh, in, in leadership roles in coastal Mississippi. They're willing to speak up. They work hard to educate, to bring people together. That's one of the things that we're trying to do through the show is have a voice in what's best for coastal Mississippi. So anyway, uh, I enjoyed sharing those two uh, quotes this morning. But now let's shift gears and move over to my friend George Freeland, who's the executive director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation here in coastal Mississippi. How you doing, George? Ricky, I'm doing great. Thank you again for having me on today. It's good to see you. Like I said at the beginning, we 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 actually should get together more often because uh, you guys are are knee deep and and lots of things involving economic development. Hey, before we get before we'll probably do this in the second half, but our second segment. But um, <clears throat> the news that I'm getting, the news that I personally shared on the show yesterday about the flood insurance program is not good. And uh, now that we're starting to see on our statements what the target number is going to be, but we'll come back to that in just a second. Sure. Hey, let's remind people what the Jackson County Economic Deve- Development Foundation, this unique organization, private, um, public-private partnership in Jackson County, uh, what it's all about. Yeah, yes, yeah, so Ricky, as we've discussed um, a number of times and over the years, the Economic Development Foundation, at least in or throughout coastal Mississippi, is somewhat of a, a, a unique formula in that it's a public-private partnership for economic development, right? So, so my governance, our board of directors, consists of representatives from our board of supervisors, our four municipalities, our Port Authority Commission, and then those individuals are paired with or coupled with uh, leaders from our industrial and our business community, such as Kerry Wilkinson from Ingalls Shipbuilding or or Tim Potter, the refinery general manager. So at the end of the day, it's an organization that is that is architected and designed 
to, to leverage all public and private sector influence and interest as it concerns all levels of economic development in our community in a way that we push push aside petty petty politics, we push aside a personal gain and interest and focus on the long-term longevity um, of, of economic development in this community. And it's a, you know, again, I think it's a one of the better practices in coastal Mississippi to have this public-private partnership so that the elected officials and the key leaders of the community are together on a regular basis and can sort of be on the same wavelength. Uh, I, I said in a conversation with Jamie Miller, in fact, yesterday, we uh, we talked about how it's so important to know what your data is, and and you can't go to where you want to go if you don't know where your opportunity, where your what your data tells you today about challenges and opportunities, things to celebrate, and when you are lying around having public and private sector coming together on a board like yours, it gives you the opportunity to stay grounded in the data, so you can have honest conversations about what we should be celebrating, and then where some of the opportunities might be, and that's uh, you know when you can have that on a regular basis, it keeps people on the same page, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. And it provides a, a, a venue and it provides, again, um, a, a construct through which we can stay focused on less what the success was last week and more on what really is required to separate ourselves or separate our community from the competition. And that is the discipline part of, part of the, the variable and, and the longevity part of this this equation. There, there are so many, many positive developments all throughout our community, within our municipalities and in the, the industrial sectors and successes as they concern uh, diversification of our economy and support for an attraction of suppliers to our, our OEMs in the form of Chevron and, 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 and Huntington Ingalls. And we love talking about those things. But, but the takeaway is the discipline part of the equation. And we have found that through that public-private construct, we can focus on the discipline piece of what is required so that we're focused not just 5, 10, or 15 years, but we are focused on decades worth of, of, of a desire to be something more than we are. Listen, I've had a, a number of conversations actually recently about Chevron and how strategically important it is to America. It's one of the most important refineries in the entire United States. So not only is it a bookend in coastal Mississippi to this this you know, statement about economic development and the, the role that coastal Mississippi plays in the state as an economic engine, then, of course, we've had many conversations about Huntington Ingalls and the role that it plays in the United States as a, as a major shipbuilder from not just the military, but just in general. Um, we're lucky to have those two entities, but man, we can't overstate how important they are to the United States, can we? No, we we, we can't. At the same time, there, there, there are two ways to, to think about this. One, the role that Ingalls Shipbuilding and the refinery, the Chevron refinery, play in the uh, national uh, defense, or excuse me, the national security conversation is is an important one. And that role is ever e evolving. Uh, neither the shipyard nor the refinery will look the same 10 years from now as they do today. At the same time, the role that they play in our local economy and our communities is ever is ever changing. 
it's it's ever evolving in ways that sometimes we see and sometimes we we might not see. It's it's our role and it's our obligation to keep to keep pace with them. As it concerns Chevron, do, do we ever are we concerned that there will will, will ever be a day that Chevron is not refi- refining crude in Jackson County on the Bayou Cassatt? No, that is not of a concern to us. But the reality is that the that the energy transition is real, uh, and the desire to blend in, for instance, uh, renewable fuels into the into the petroleum refinery process is a real thing. So where do we want to be? Uh, on the front end of that development, on the front end of that innovation, or trying to catch up? Well, I can tell you exactly where we're going to be. But again, back to your original point, that construct, uh, that, that, that conduit, that architecture that is the Economic Development Foundation and the public-private partnership gives us the room and the ability to make those adjustments. Hey, so what are give, give us uh, some of the headlines? If you you can say top three or four or five things that are on you guys' minds these days could include big announcements. It can include projects you're working on. But what are what are some of the major things you're focused on? Well, let's just keep within that. Let, let's keep with that, that that part of the conversation that concerns the energy transition. Uh, just uh, here two weeks ago, uh, along with. Um, the company representatives announced the the location of of OleoX within what was is the closed first chemical site in Jackson County. Uh, first chemical for years produced uh, aniline, uh, a chemical product that went into the production of of, of Kevlar and, and other polymer based materials for a number of different reasons. Uh, that that process was moved elsewhere. So rather than wondering what the next move is through our public-private partnership, engage the company officials years ago, even prior to that closure. Fast forward, OleoX has purchased the property and OleoX undertakes a process of refining or converting, if you will, feedstocks such as oil, soybean oil, um, and other products into a renewable fuel that is then blended with a production like that which occurs at Chevron. So a facility that could have been, could have laid dormant, that uh, could have been shuttered, which could have been an economic development distraction, uh, is being redeployed for new innovation and, and, and a new life within, again, all things that are this energy transition uh, 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 space that we're in. And, uh, okay, so <clears throat> you got a long list of things you're focused on these days. So just give me an idea of, of, the, of what success looks like for you guys these days. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked that, and I thought about that before our call today. If we combine new projects, OLEOX being one example thereof, if we think about investments that are being made into our aerospace sector. Hey, let's let's do this. Yeah. Let's pick it up. Let's pick it. This would be a good place to start since this segment's coming to a close. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with George Freeland, who's the executive director for the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We'll see you on the other side.
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of the Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to my show. I'm pleased to have my friend George Freeland. We go back a long way, worked in the community for many, many years together, and uh, he's still out there swinging. He's with the uh, Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. When we went to break, we were talking about you know success at the at the uh, Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. Why don't you kind of pick up where you left off, George? Yeah, so we left it off with a conversation over more of the industrial success pieces of our of our economy, be it in petrochemical, be it in new projects or with new projects like OLEOX, which bring a measure of diversification and innovation within the whole energy transition space. Um, it, it also includes investments that we're making in, in our aerospace sector and our aviation technology sector up at the Trent Lott International Airport. And, and this success is, is percolating. It's finding its way into all all spaces within our economy. What is happening with our downtown revitalization and our community development efforts in each one of our municipalities is but a reflection of the overall economic development success and momentum in this community. But back to the, the, the original premise that we sort of led in with. All, all of that is is enabled through public-private partnerships at, at some level, partnerships that position this community to focus on a measure of discipline and longevity. When you piece apart all of, all of the, 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 the successes that we're experiencing in this community, Ricky, I, I use it as an opportunity to remind us that this community didn't just wake up last year, three years ago, or four years ago with the intention to to, to achieve what it's achieving. Uh, it's all it's all part of a very well-crafted plan that goes back 10, 15, or 20 years. And it's through that conduit that is all that in, that implies public-private partnership that uh, a measure of discipline um, can be can be afforded. Hey, tell me, tell it let's just talk for a second about your team. What it, what kind of team does it require to achieve the, your goals? There's not a thing that's been achieved by and through this organization that isn't based completely and totally within um, the, the context of teamwork. You know, I mentioned the governance earlier, the municipalities. There are some projects that uh, a connectivity to our individual city or respective city is is critical. Uh, so many of our projects in the industrial sector require a level of teamwork and coordination by and through our port authority or through our uh, airport uh, authority, and certainly by and through our board of supervisors. So teamwork within all aspects or through all aspects of public-private participation is critical to, to, to what we do. In our world, our board of supervisors are some of our biggest advocates. Uh, they are involved in the process. They're not looking over the fence. They're engaged. They know what the challenges are. They know what the opportunities are. And as such, we're able to align collectively our our economic development priorities. George, I mentioned at the beginning of the show about the uh, federal flood insurance program. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. My my uh, my bill before the new actuarially sound process went into place was $400 a year. My, my first floor is 5.1 feet above the ABFE requirement. 
And what I've discovered is that they are counting. We built a retaining wall, and they put 150 loads of dirt in there in order to get our house up above the ABFE. What they did, and I'm sure that I'll be able to um, to to you know make the proper um, challenge of that. They actually counted the level, the the the, the beginning level of the retaining wall. <laughs> it, our house doesn't start until 5.1 uh, feet above the sea level. But it went from $400 a month to the target number is $4,000 a month. And so, you know, what we're, what we're seeing now that the target number is, is being included in these statements, we're seeing people across the coast of Mississippi start to understand where all this is headed. And, of course, in Jackson County, particularly in Pascagoula, but really all over, Pas all over Jackson County, you, you know, people are getting these statements and getting hit with what that number is going to be. Yeah. Um, what's the latest on all that? Yes. Yeah, so within the city of Pascagoula, as you know, um, there are separate issues that concern the, the base elevation rules, right? And so Mary Martha Henson on our staff has had a very specific concerted effort to affect legislation pertaining specifically to the uh, the base elevation substantial improvement rule. And we're, we're confident that we will hopefully be able to see some relief in the not too distant future. But the broader context, that is the exorbitant uh, of premiums that individuals are being stuck with or hit with like like yourself is, is an issue. And, and I think that as we've done with substantial improvement limitations here in Pascagoula, we're going to have to, fr to, to frame the issue for what it is. It is an economic development issue. For all of the manufacturing employment and the, and the innovation and all of these things we've talk talked about on the phone or on our call today, if we can't resolve this, the, the, the lasting impacts and the economic multipliers that we're generating in, generating in this community are going to move into other states and they're going to move in to other areas. So as it concerns these costs uh, and the expenses being put on homeowners and business owners for that matter, um, I don't know that we know clearly right now what the outcomes or the trajectory is, but from an economic development point of view, we're going to have to get our hearts and our minds around what these 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 uh, these uh, 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 what the resolution is to these issues. Yeah, I know that Greater New Orleans Inc. was engaged in a multi-state effort to focus on it. Uh, the last I checked, there were 5,000 national flood insurance program policies in the United States, and 2,000 of those were in Florida. And I know that Marco Rubio and uh, the legislative delegation and congressional delegation in Florida were screaming loud. The, the fact is, though, with, with, with so much, so many issues swirling at the national level, getting the focus on this it's going to prove to be really, really hard. That, that's what I think. And um, the coastal communities are taking a bigger lick. Uh, one of the things I discovered when I, when I did some research on this initially is that of uh, between 1996 and, and 2019, 99% of U.S. counties 
99% experienced at least one flooding event. And so there was some discussion on the national level about moving from a national flood insurance program to something that's more of a catastrophic coverage of some sort. But we've really got to focus on it because what's going to happen is people's we're going to continue to see these incremental increases on individuals' residences near 20% and on businesses of 25% every single year. So the snowballing impact on that for to affordable housing, to economic development, you name it, is going to be it's going to be a major issue. And I'm going to be talking a lot more yeah. about it. I've done a number of shows about it, but it's been a little bit off the radar screen. It's one of those things that if we don't keep the focus on it, it start to fade, you know, into the background just because there's so many other issues that are swirling. I can't think of a more important issue for the collective leadership of coastal Mississippi and other coastal communities, for, you know, all the way up to the east coast, up the east coast, uh, than to focus on this issue because it's going to hit all of us in a very significant way. Well, and that's going to be the the, the, the linchpin. The linchpin is going to involve, have to include and involve alliances. These are issues that, as you put it, are not just South Mississippi's. They're Louisiana's. Uh, they're issues that, that, that are impacting the East Coast and they're impacting the state of Florida. Um, and, and while people like, like you and I are quick to point out the economic development repercussions of not resolving these issues in a community like ours, going back to points we touched on earlier, it's also a national security issue. Um, we're not just homes here. We're not just residences here. Uh, these aren't just vacation areas. Uh, th th this is a community uh, that, that manufactures most all of the amphibious warships that the U.S. Navy relies upon. Uh, Carrie Wilkinson and her team need access to in a workforce that can live within reasonable means within proximity to that yard. Tim Potter at the refinery needs individuals that within a reasonable proximity that can refine petroleum uh, and jet fuel and, uh, and sustain our energy sector, not just in the state of Mississippi, but throughout the southeast and, and, and the lower 48. So is it an economic development issue? It is. But we have to understand the broader context and not resolving these issues um, result, can very well result in um, uh, a, a, a diminishing level or a diminishing um, aspect of, of, of national security. It's going to, you know, and then you think it just regular insurance. I got, um, I got my insurance back on my boats and a couple of other things, peripheral policies, they went up substantially, and when we called about it, they said, well, all insurance is going up substantially. You know, I guess everything's going up. And then homeowners insurance went up significantly. And then, um, you know, you got flooded, federal flood insurance program that's going to continue to go up year after year. And um, I'm hoping that we can in a, uh, win a challenge to say, you know, don't count our retaining wall as first floor. First floor is 5.1 feet above the ABFE. But we say we got to go through a process because the way they did this is they did it from aerial views of things. And they and, and they can make a lot of mistakes when they do that. So we got a lot to do. I'll get Mary Martha Henson on in the near future. And, and she and I can chat more about the flood insurance program and what the remedies might be for Pasadena and other communities like Pasadena. But we're out of time for the day. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Thanks for having me, Ricky. And to your point, let's um, let's do it more often. We will definitely do that for sure. This has been George Friedland from the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. We'll see you after this break.
Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.